He made it. Blog Talk Radio. Kingway, Fox, Beard, Lock is acting very weird. Captain Pike, Cisco's wife, Klingons, and the afterlife. Boimler, Tendi's dog, Ransom is very harsh. Four drive, Black Alert, Giorgio has gone berserk. He's a bad left, Edward is an idiot, Fox is dead, Wolf is wed, Chekhov's wearing red. Data's cat, Kempak's cat, Q has had enough of that, beam me up, make it so, everybody let's go. We are well, good evening, Trekkies and Trekkers around the globe with that incredibly awesome song. That means it's time for another episode of Trek Talking. I'm your most excellent host, Uncle Jim, and boy, have we got a great show planned for you guys tonight. Before we get started, though, I want to introduce my Treks first because we do have a lot to talk about. We'll start off first with Eric. Eric's out in Portland. How are you doing tonight, Eric? I am doing really good. I had a busy, busy night tonight, but I am happy to be sitting down at my desk looking out my window and all set to talk about a totally amazing episode of Lower Decks and a bunch of other stuff tonight. Woohoo! Oh, we've got a lot, that's for sure. And we also have with us Charles. Charles is out in Las Vegas. How are you doing, Charles? I'm doing good. I'm not sure I'm in Vegas. I think Jim swapped weather with us. We're, we finally got up to 70s today. We've been, we've been seeing 60s. It's been dropping to the 50s at night. It's been cold here in Vegas. Yeah, we've, we've been running our air conditioning. We've had our AC on here. It's been beautiful. It's my my final weekend at camp this week, so uh, it should be really nice. I'm looking forward to it. Usually we close up in the rain my, and the snow, but not this year. It's going to be my nice. My AC isn't even kicking on. Wow. Crazy. That is crazy. So listen, guys, we've got a great I, – I, when I say great, I mean great uh, show planned for you guys tonight. First of all, our phone number here is 646-668. 2433. You should all have that in your speed dial. It's been the same number for the last 10 years. So put that in your speed dial because you're going to want to get involved and join the conversation tonight. So New York City Comic Con premiered a new Discovery Season 4 trailer and a clip from Prodigy. We're going to listen to both of those and dig into them. But also, Lower, lower Deck, not Lower Decks, uh, The Ready Room with Will Wheaton had a sneak peek at prodigy which i was talking to charles before we went live i was able to rip minutes before we went on the air it's it's hot off the presses and we're going to play that little clip for you as well so we got a little bit of prodigy to talk about getting pumped up for that october 28th premiere so you definitely want to join us for that but wait there's more we're going to review tonight's episode of lower decks first first contact Great episode, a lot of fun. We're going to be diving into that. We also have our new segment, Convention Calendar. We're going to try to go two months in advance for each convention 
calendar. So as conventions come and go, we'll bump off the oldest and replace them with another one. That's a new segment, and I think it's going pretty well. And Shatner says, what? Or more accurately, Shatner goes, where? Wow, if you haven't been watching the news, then you know what I'm talking about. We're going to dive into that as well. Brent Spiner has a new book coming out. We're going to dive into that. And, of course, there's a new Star Trek docuseries that we're going to talk about a little bit. And Mary Chipo sings in Klingon. Interesting. We're going to play that song for you. And Anson Mount has a message for the fans about Strange New Worlds. We also have our fan shout-outs and Star Trek birthday. So as you can see, we have a lot going on tonight. And before we start, I just want to let all you guys know that <laughs> this made me laugh, actually, when I, when I read this. Uh, we here at Trek Talking do not get paid by Paramount Plus, by CBS, <laughs> by anybody. We are not part of any leftist conspiracy theory um, that, that's, uh, that's, that's being funded by the federal government bail out the blue states and industries to remove negative financial consequences that are used to be an inevitable result of bad investments and poor financial choices by Paramount, which is why Discovery, Picard, Short Treks, and Lower Decks are still on the air and haven't been canceled. We have nothing to do with that. We are not part of any leftist conspiracy theory. Uh, we're just Star Trek fans who love Star Trek. So I found that humorous. Uh, another podcast picked that up and ran with it. Um, and I'm here to tell you, it ain't true. <laughs> Me and Charles and Eric yeah. are not part of any leftist conspiracy theory. We don't get paid by anybody <laughs> to do this. And uh, we're just fans like you guys. Okay. So it's too bad. I mean, that sounds kind of exciting. You know, it sounds like a, like a 007 novel or something. I like it. It does. And we're right in the middle of it too. We're in the heart of it. And um, I don't even want to tell you guys the name of the other podcast that ran with it, but if you really care, you could probably track it down. I just, I found it humorous. It all came about because I love Star Trek. And I have loved Star Trek, always will love Star Trek. I support Star Trek in any way, shape, or form that it takes. Doesn't mean I love everything. There's good and bad about everything. But life is short, and I choose to see the positive and not the negative. I don't go on and complain and bitch and moan about, oh, I hate the look of this, I hate the look of that, I don't like the uniforms of starships, the, the cannon. That's, that's not my thing. That's not our thing on this podcast or on our Facebook page. That doesn't mean that we're sellouts. It doesn't mean we're getting paid to say that because I believe that the message behind Star Trek is a good one. And it's a one that we need. And I don't want to waste my time on negativity and the story cut and dry. And we're not part of any conspiracy well, theory. Okay. So well, and without any further. Jim, yep. Before we throw in, by the way, uh, IMDB is part of that conspiracy too, because as they talk about all these low ratings, all of Paramount Plus' series are in the sixes in rating. And the rest of Star Trek is in sixes to eight. So what IMDb the... must be in there with the conspiracy, too, because they don't seem to think the ratings are low. It, it's, it's the leftist conspiracy theory. We're all part of that. Come on, admit it. <laughs> I just... just found that humorous. I really did. Anyways, yeah. uh, I, I was hoping that we would break 41,000 downloads, but we missed it by three. 
Uh, we have 40,997 downloads of this podcast as of tonight. Um, I really was hoping for 41,000, but we missed it by three. But that doesn't matter. We're growing in leaps and bounds, and that's just great. We have 69,081 followers on our Facebook page. Whee! And, wow. Um, our American listenership numbers just keep climbing and climbing and climbing, whereas we were hovering around 75%. Uh, we're, we're getting close to 85%. And so um, that means that as our numbers are just skyrocketing, it's look, it looks like we're losing international listeners, but we are not. We're just gaining American listeners in droves. And for that, I'm going to turn to Eric to do our around-the-globe numbers. It is pretty amazing how many people we've added over the last few weeks. Uh, we've added enough that now 84% of our listeners come from the U.S. So uh, there we are, approaching that 85%. Uh, we'll have to see where this tops out. Maybe it won't top out. Maybe we'll just keep growing and growing. Uh, but we appreciate you no matter uh, whether you come from domestic sources or whether you come from international sources. So Let's call those out. Uh, in our number one international listening spot, once again this week, we have our brothers and sisters to the north in Canada with 4.76% of our listeners. So thank each and every one of you who downloads or listens live to our podcast up there. Uh, we really appreciate it. In that number two spot, we still have the UK holding steady with 4.07% of our listeners. The UK has been at the top of that list for a very long time. So thank you. Folks across the pond, we really appreciate your listening as well. And that number three, the folks down under, 3.59% of our listeners come from Australia, no doubt led by the dude. Thank you very, very much for listening to us all the way down in the other hemisphere. In the number four spot, we still have Ireland holding steady. 1.11% of our listeners come from Ireland. So top of the morning to you, and thank you very much for listening to us. But wait. Is the number five spot still Germany? No. The number five spot has a new country that just came out of nowhere, and I have no idea what's going on here, but I love it. Nepal has taken our number five spot with 1.05% of our listeners. That is a statistically significant portion of our listeners hailing from somewhere that I just think is uh, just so far away. I wouldn't even think of people listening to us there. So thank you so much folks in Nepal for listening to Trek talking and beyond. Wow. How about that? Jim? Is that, I was totally shocked. I couldn't, I was like, wow. I, I had to go to the map thing. and look it up and, and see, you know, I was blown away. I, that's just incredible. Absolutely well, you know, we're incredible. not afraid. We're not afraid to keep learning here at Trek Talking. And every time we find a new batch of listeners that comes from a country that we're just not so sure about, it's actually good education for us because we like to go and check it out and see where they come from and see where their city's located and um, just kind of connect in that way to our listeners. So, wow, folks in Nepal, that's just really incredible. Thank you so much for listening to us. That is so awesome. And uh, we also like to give individual fan shout outs to you guys and you can have your name on a fan shout out by visiting our facebook page at trek talking and beyond you'll see the live long and prosper right at the top and just drop us a little note and every week we pick out lucky listeners if you see a heart next to your name from yours truly uncle jim that means your name is going to be read out on a future fan shout out so eric who's on your list well our number one fan shout out this week goes out to laura russ 
who comes from the place uh, that I think probably evokes a uh, feeling like no other, Transylvania, Romania. Live long and prosper, she says. So Laura Russ from Transylvania, Romania, thank you so much for listening to us. That's so cool. We have people listening to us in Transylvania, guys. How cool is that? Isn't that the, that, isn't that the home of Dracula? It is the home of Dracula, and uh, I believe some of the other characters, maybe Wolf Moon. I'm not really sure, but it just has such a, um, you know, images immediately come to your mind when you think of it. Whether that's true or not, I don't know anything about the country. So, Laura, maybe maybe you can call in sometime and tell us what your country's really like, because uh, I just have these kind of movie images right now in my head, and I'm sure it's not all like that. So thank you very, very much for listening to us. I'm and also it's so a big cool sh- because yeah. it's October, it's Halloween, oh, yeah. and you think of all these things, and, and Transylvania is one of those things that pops in your mind around Halloween, so it, I, I think it's great that Laura's listening in Transylvania. So cool. So cool. Yep, absolutely. We're also saying hello and sending out a big thank you to Michelle Hampshire. She is saying hello from Wakefield in West Yorkshire. Of course, one of those listeners over in the UK, our number one international listener, or excuse me, number two international listener. So thank you very, very much, Michelle, for uh, carrying our torch all the way across the pond. We really appreciate that. And my last fan shout-out goes to Sandra DiGiorlami. Ooh, almost tripped me up there, Jim. DiGiorlami from Adelaide in South Australia. You are not the first listener we've had from Adelaide, and I've had family who's lived down in Adelaide. And uh, that looks like a pretty cool place, so Sandra... One of our listeners down in our number three international country listeners spot. Thank you so much for listening to us every single week. So, Charles, who is on your list this week? Well, let's start off with Joe Barron from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Ironically, I was just talking about Philadelphia, too, with my students because we were talking about the Declaration of Independence. The second name is somebody I don't recognize, and I wonder if he knows anything about the USS Las Vegas or the USS Rim Runner. David Cabellus from who says Vegas baby. I'm assuming Las Vegas, since they usually don't make that same reference to Las Vegas, New Mexico. But oh. we'll see. See, that's education for me, Charles. I didn't even know there was another Las Vegas. Oh, wow. there, are two Las Vegas, there are two Las Vegas in the country. How about that? See that? We're, we're not only fun, we're educational. Dropping knowledge. <laughs> and then Christine L. Hayes hails from South Detroit. And Jim, oh, man, Jim couldn't find anybody from New York City. <laughs> I I know. Can you believe that? Wow. First time in weeks. <laughs> I know. I scoured the fifteen thousand names on the list looking for one, but I I couldn't even find one close to me this week. So uh, that's cool. So we'd like to say hello and thank you for listening to David Lung from Tijuana, Mexico, nowhere near me. And uh, we'd like to say hello oh, near me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. To Ron Dunn from Liverpool, England. And Liverpool, England. I think there's a couple of guys that played that were in a band or something that came from Liverpool, if I remember correctly. Yeah, Um, it was ACDC, right? Yeah, the Birds or something, the Turtles. 
something like that. No, ACDC uh, was Australian. Yeah, that was down under. <laughs> and last but not least, we'd like to say thank you for listening for Mary Lou Schmidt from Topeka, Kansas. And those are our fan shout-outs. And like I said, if you'd like to get yourself on a fan shout-out, just go to our Facebook page and uh, drop us a little note. And now it's time for our Klingon birthdays. I'm not our Klingon birthdays, our regular birthdays. That was not a Klingon song. No, it wasn't. We like it anyways. So we always do our Star Trek birthdays. We always start off with those members of our Star Trek family who, unfortunately, are no longer with us. And for that, we turn to Eric. Yeah, our very first remembrance this week goes out to actress Lois Jewell, who played the character of Drusilla in the 2S episode Bread and Circuses. Um, you would know her if you saw her. Long blonde hair, very beautiful woman. So uh, happy birthday to Lois Jewell, who would have had a birthday this weekend, or excuse me, this week. Uh, we're also sending out our love and remembrances to actor Dallas Mitchell, who played Lieutenant Tom Nellis in the TOS episode Charlie X. Uh, great episode. Uh, Tom Nellis, sort of a minor character in that one, but, uh, but nevertheless, uh, Dallas Mitchell would have had a birthday this week. So happy birthday. We're and you would, you would know him. He, he's he the would. one that beams over to the Enterprise with Charlie X in the, in yeah. the opening uh, teaser set up for the whole episode. That's right. Yep. First, first guy you sort of see. Uh, we're also remembering this week Janos Prohaska. And is this true? Played the Mugatu? Also yep. played Yarnak? Also played the Anthropoid Ape and also played the Horda? Wow. What a lexicon of creatures to include in your resume. Janos Prohaska. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, that is. And for the, for those who don't know, Yarnik is the um, the rock creature yeah. from Savage Curtain. And yeah. the Arathropod Ape is is the Tolo, when the Telosian turns into the ape when Captain Pike is strangling him. Of course, yep. that's what they're calling the Anthropod Ape, and everybody knows the Horda. Ah, uh, the Horda from one of my favorite episodes, The Devil in the Dark. Such a good, good episode. Looks a little bit like an Ottoman, but it doesn't matter, man, because the episode is so, so good. Yeah. Um, so uh, we're also remembering this week Barbara March. Uh, she is the actress who played the character Lursa, one of the Duras sisters uh, in TNG and DS9 and Generations. Uh, multiple times, multiple episodes. Uh, of the two, I always think of her as the crafty one, the, the sort of smart one uh, who, you know, understands what the goal is, even though the both of them together seem to sort of bumble just a little bit. Uh, so... Great, great character. Um, hard to believe that she's she's gone. Um, so Barbara March would have had a birthday this week. Happy birthday to her. And our final remembrance this week goes out to actor Paul Kent, who played Commander Beach in Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. Pretty sure that is a little movie that people have heard of before. Um, he is one of the bridge officers, uh, of course, on board the USS Reliant. So... Uh, that is the birthdays of the folks who have gone before us. 
Now Charles is going to start us out with some folks who have birthdays who are still with us this week. Well, let's start off with Ben Vereen. Commander Edward M. LaForge, M.D., in TNG's Interface. And, yes, that name seems very familiar. That was Jordy's dad coming to visit. Elaine Wheeler played Eroia from DS9's The Quickening. John... Leprino played Orbis in Void Year of Hell Parts 1 and 2. Oh, love those episodes, and Oberus is such a weird character in that one. Um, he's one of two people, part of the Krenum uh, Imperium. Yeah, such a good, good set of episodes. Donita Freed Reese played Dr. Rooney. And the board grown Enterprises Regeneration. Oh my God! If, if you guys, you, uh, Enterprise takes a lot of a lot of heat and a lot of ragging on, but I'm going to tell you, there's a there's two or three episodes that you've got to watch on Enterprise. Regeneration is one of those episodes, and it's such a strong episode that it's the first time that the main cat you don't see a main character until 12 minutes into the 42-minute episode. Let that sink in for a second. All the characters that we meet are all the scientists, and, and we don't see a main character until 12 minutes into the episode. That's how, how good that episode is. You've got to watch it. And, and this character, Dr. Rooney, is one of the technically is the first human to um, run into the Borg on Earth. So that's pretty cool. And then, of course, one of the people who was in that episode and rather well-known for several roles, including, I believe, another detectiveries, is Scott Bat- Bakula better known as Captain Jonathan Archer, Archer from Enterprise. And yes, folks, my birthday list was a little short this week. As Jim yeah. finished us off. They, they all were. Uh, we didn't have a lot of birthdays. But I wanted to jump back to Ben Vereen because I read an interesting fact about Ben Vereen. On Star Trek, he plays Jordy LaForge's father. But on Roots, Jordy LaForge plays his father. Interesting little twist of fate there, huh? Pretty cool. Yeah. That is pretty cool. So I want to start off with uh, saying happy birthday to Richard Chavez. And you're like, huh? Well, he was the sky sky spirit in Boys episode tattoo, which I must admit I I did not see. But, 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 but. I think every single person or most people listening to this podcast, would know him from his role as Pancho in Predator. Everybody has seen Predator with Arnold Schwarzenegger, and he starred in that as Pancho. And um, you would know him if you saw him. But he also starred in another 80s TV show called War of the Worlds, and he played Colonel Iron Horse. 
on War of the Worlds. And um, if you guys go and look him up, you'll say, oh, I know him. He's very recognizable. And if you look at his picture, you'll know exactly who it is. So happy birthday to Richard Chavez. Um, I, I'm a stickler for music. I, to me, um, music just, well, that's true. Not everybody watches Predator, but um, <laughs> I grew up watching it. Anyways, uh, I love music. And I think one of the things about the Kelvin Universe movies, I love the soundtrack um, that they used in that. And I think that Michael Giacano did a great job, phenomenal job in coming up with the soundtrack for uh, Star Trek 2009, Star Trek Beyond, Star Trek Into Darkness, and Short Treks. And I think he mixed his own, his own style in there, but he also mixed it in really well with, with Alexander Courage's original theme, and he got just the right balance in there. So happy birthday. We'd also like to say happy birthday to Rosalind Landor. Um, and she played Brenda uh, Brenna Odell and TNG's Up the Long Ladder. You guys remember that episode. She was the sexy Irish chick that walked around half naked on the Enterprise. And uh, I remember when that episode came out, a lot of people were just enraged because of the image that it gave of the Irish, that all the guys were drunk and all the women were running around looking for husbands. Um, I just I remember it vividly. And uh, she was the star of that episode. If you guys don't remember... Um, there was a, uh, clone society and, and, mm-hmm. um, yep. and the, I forgot what the name of the, of the Irish were. I forgot. But, oh yeah. But their, was, yeah. their race, the race of the Irish people, and they actually had to do this, this. They had to procreate having sex and the clones people just couldn't deal with that. And so I, I just, I just remember that episode, uh, it, it was funny. Up the long ladder. Uh, we also like to say happy birthday to Lori Petty, who played Nas in Boy's episode, Gravity. So, Lori, uh, Lori Petty, anybody ever hear of a show called Orange is the New Black? Because uh-huh. Orange is the New Black, there's a character on that show named Red, who's right. played by the awesome Kate Mulgrew. Yeah. And it's Man, is that a good show. Man, is she a great character. But she's not the only Star Trek alumni because Lori Petty also plays on Orange is the New Black along with her. She was also in Tank Girl. So uh, you can check that out. And she did a very short-lived show in the early 80s called VR5. Um, Okay, I'm really going to date myself here. But back (laughs) in the early days, when we wanted to get on the internet, you had to pick up your your rotary dial phone and you had to put it down on this receiver and it would go and it would make all these weird death sounds for about two or three minutes before it would connect online. And in this particular TV show, Lori Petty found that there was this secret world hidden inside the computer between all those beats that it took for it to connect. Um, Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I know it's old, but that so am I. So, but you know she. So. But she hasn't just been in horror and sci-fi, Gem. I mean, she's been in the league of their own as well. I mean, that's where I first knew her from. I think. Yeah, she's been around for a long time. So happy birthday to Lori Petty. We also want to say happy birthday to Brad Grinquest, who played Grit in the DS9. Who mourns for Morn? 
course, who forgets that episode? And <laughs> he played Damas in Voice episode Warlord, and he played Katan Zahar in Enterprises episode Dawn. So happy birthday to Brad Greenquist. And I always save the Klingons for last. Um, I was hoping that I could do Barbara March, but unfortunately she passed away. But I got a really good one. I got one of my favorite Klingons here. (laughs) And we had the pleasure, and I do say pleasure, Mm -hmm. of talking with her on the podcast. Um, I'm talking, of course, about Vixis herself. And uh, she was on our podcast and her her cohort in crime in Star Trek V, The Final Frontier, with Captain Claw, played by none other than the awesome Todd Bryan. And he also played the uh, star, the translator in Star Trek VI. He's the guy that bangs the gavel and the sparks go flying. And uh, I would love to have – I wish I could get the two of them together on the podcast. I think they would be great to have them both at the same time. Do you think that'd be fun? I think that would be awesome. And, you know, I always like to point to the Klingons from Star Trek V when people say, all Klingons are supposed to look the same. And I say, well, if you want to go that direction, even to the split to the movies, man, we got all kinds of different looking Klingons all over the place. And Claw is a good example of that. I, I love, one of the things I really like about Star Trek V is the Klingons. I love that Claw kind of has, a chicken bone head. That's the easiest way I can think of describing it. It, is, it. it looks like chicken bones. And I love his wild hair. And he doesn't wear your traditional Klingon battle armor. He's like a biker Klingon. He's got the bulging bare arms, muscles, and, and he just wears the vest. And He's like a biker Klingon. And Vixis is kind of like a biker Klingon, too. Like, these two would walk into a bar and kick your ass and not even blink or, or work up a sweat. I mean, I love them. I also like General Cord too. I think he's he's got a, a great background uh, story for his character, too. But I really like the Klingons in Star Trek V. And I got to say thank you to Todd Bryant and Spice Williams for bringing them to life for us. So happy birthday to Todd Bryant. So, guys, we're going to take our very first break of the evening. We have a lot to talk about, so don't go away. In fact... Run to the microwave, throw in your chicken wings or your pizza bites, whatever you want, and then hurry on back because we still have a lot of show. And we're going to take this very quick commercial break, and then we'll be right back to the fun. Trek Talking. All things Star Trek and beyond. Thursday night, 7.30 to 9.30, all hailing frequencies are open iTunes, iHeart, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, and wherever fine podcasts are found. Trek Talking, boldly going wherever your mind is willing to go. And we're back, and uh, boy, are we having fun. We've got a great show. We're in the middle of our Star Trek news. And before we do our Star Trek news, I have to find, there it is. And here's our intro for Star Trek News. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Incoming transmission. Enter authorization code. Command codes verified. Define parameters of program. Level nine authorization required. Specify parameters. 
Transfer of data is complete. Black alert. Black alert. So we have a brand new segment for our Star Trek news called Convention Calendar. And that's where we let you guys know about local conventions. If you have a convention that you'd like to hear or publicized on convention calendar, just go to our Facebook page and send us the information and we will read it on a future convention calendar. So I'm going to start off with our convention calendar with uh, Wizards World Chicago 2021, October 15th through the 17th at the Suburban Collection Showplace in Novi, Michigan. We'd also like to tell you guys about Fan Expo Toronto, October 22nd to the 24th at the Metro Toronto Convention Center in Toronto, Canada. I wonder if GM Chris will be at that one. I don't know. Uh, We have FedCon 29, October 22nd to the 24th at Maritime Hotel in Bonn, Germany. And I have Rhode Island Comic Con, November 5th through 7th at Dunkin' Donuts Center and Rhode Island Convention Center in Providence, Rhode Island. And uh, Charles, who's on your list? Well, we've got MCM Comic Con in London 2021, October 25th, Convention Center, Royal Victorian Dock in London, UK. Armageddon, Auckland. 2021, October 22nd to 25th in the ASB Showgrounds in Auckland, New Zealand. Let's just acknowledge that the name of their convention is Armageddon Auckland. That is just so cool. (laughs) Armageddon. Yeah, it's like... (laughs) (laughs) New Mexico Comic and Film Festival Expo. October 29th to 31st in Albuquerque Convention Center in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Luke and Comic and Game, October 29th to November 1st. Luca Poly, Luki Polo Theater in Luca, Italy. I've been I know I'm having trouble with that guys. one. I've been to Luca, Italy. It is amazing. It's this walled city, this tiny little walled city with this beautiful cathedral in it. Such a cool, cool place. I can't even imagine going to a Comic-Con there. That would be so cool. That would be. And then one that, and then one that we're working on personally here, the L.A. Comic-Con, December 3rd to 5th, is Los Angeles Convention Center, Los Angeles, California. And... I heard a recent uh, post from the Admiral of the Fleet looking for people who can sing in Klingon. Make sure Mary you know what's going to be going on upstairs. <laughs> Eric, what about you? Oh, I've got some good ones, too. We've got the Arctic Comic Con 2021, October 30th through the 31st, just right at the end of the month here. Uh, at the Dana'ina Civic and Convention Center in Anchorage, Alaska. Not not that far away from me. Uh, certainly, I'm the closest one to there. And I've been to Alaska a couple times. It's pretty amazing up there. Anchorage is a cool town. So uh, check out that convention. 
We're also tracking the Supernova Comic Con and Gaming Expo, also happening the same weekend, October 30th through 31st, at the Adelaide Showground in Wayville, South Australia. Uh, we're also checking out Destination Star Trek in London, November 12th through the 14th, 2021, at the Excel Convention Center, Royal Victoria Dock, London, England, same joint that Charles was just telling us about. And the final one that we're going to talk about this week is Super Mega Fest, Mega Fest, Mega Fest at uh, Sheraton Framingham Hotel, which I've, I've actually been there in Framingham, Mass. That's happening November 19th through the 21st. So, so many awesome conventions to go to, right, guys? And, and I've been to Super Mega Fest many, many times. I haven't been there since COVID. It's probably been two or three years since I've been to Super Mega Fest. But it is a great convention. It's a lot of fun. If you're in the area and you can make it, they have a they have a great concert after the after the convention on Saturday night, and uh, it's a lot of fun. I, I recommend it if venue. you're in the area. Yeah, it's a decent venue it, too. I like it. Yeah. It's cool. It looks like an old castle, actually. It it's does. Pretty cool. Yeah. So, guys, um, that's our convention calendar. Like I said, if you have any conventions you'd like to have listed please shoot us a message and we'll get them on our convention calendar. If you're looking for information on any of these conventions, just uh, contact the venue where it's being held or, or do a quick search on uh, the internet. You should be able to get all the information that you need. So um, Eric, we've got an interesting, we've got a story going on here. You get the first news story. All the stories we're about to talk about can be found on our Facebook page. You can read them in their entirety instead of my condensed version. So please check them out if any of them are of interest to you. And Eric is to start us out. I do. This week I've got the setup for the big story that happened this week. My setups is, of course, our, my personal favorite segment. Shatner says, what? William Shatner, Anderson Cooper joke about, quote, inseminating the space program. That's right. William Shatner is cloaking his fear with laughter. And in this laughter-filled interview with AC360 host Anderson Cooper, the infamously phallic shape of Bezos's Blue Origin rocket arose in the discussion. And a tawdry turn took flight. Cooper noted that, quote, some people made fun of the way the rocket looks, a reference to the long cylindrical shape of the vehicle. There's nothing to make fun of. We're inseminating the space program, Shatner deadpan to a busting up Cooper who said he wondered whether Captain Kirk realized what he was even referencing. Well, leave it to you to throw it out there for somebody else to pick up, Shatner told Cooper, who was by then coming down from his laughter fit. But it certainly does look when they say insertion, do they really mean insertion? Cooper asked whether the future space jockey ever previously thought about taking a Star Trek. I'm so sorry to bring you down to Earth, to use the phrase. It was all pretend. Shatner told the laughing host, I was on a set at Paramount Studios. When shooting Star Trek, it was a figment of our collective imagination. What will I see when I get out there? What will I see, he asked. Because not only will I look at the majesty of space and the oasis of Earth, but isn't there a possibility that things fly by as we've seen on cameras? What's the explanation of that? Cooper then joked that Shatner, quote, could be grabbed and probed by some alien life form while he's floating through the cosmos. Yeah, well, being probed by an alien, Shatner responded, my question is, what are you probed for? So, that, kind that of a, a good question. Yeah, 
kind of a funny interview to watch the two of them play with each other. It was it was actually delightful. Um, everybody was giggling just a little bit, faces turning red just a little bit. It was it was really cute. So um, I enjoyed that. Uh, but of course, Jim's I, I do got the a big story, and he's got a he's got a great soundbite here, right, Jim? I do have a soundbite. There's there's so many different uh, clips of of Shatner. I was trying. I didn't want to play a full ten minute clip, so. Um, I do have a clip here. I think it's from um, the CBS News. Anyways, I do have a little clip that has Shatner talking about what it was like and then talking about the space program. So here's our Shatner Says What clip for the evening. Well, now to another big story we're following. Science fiction became science fact for actor William Shatner today. At 90 years old, Star Trek's Captain Kirk became the oldest person to travel to space. And he was clearly moved by the experience. CBS's Mark Strassman was there to witness it all. The tower. She is on her space with the second human spaceflight crew. This was the voyage of the Blue Origin spaceship First Step. Its 10-minute mission, space. Oh, Jesus. William Shatner's latest frontier, up almost 66 miles to the edge of space. And here come the mains. And right back down again, like same-day shipping. And capsule touchdown. A gift from Amazon and Blue Origin founder, Jeff Bezos. It was so moving to me. This experience is something unbelievable. 55 years ago, Shatner's Captain Kirk led a starship of galactic hopscotchers. Today, he became Kirk and at 90, overcome by the moment. Everybody needs to see the, uh, It was unbelievable. Unbelievable. I mean, you know, the, the little things of weightlessness. But to see the blue cover go whip by, and now you're staring into black. What you have given me is the most profound experience I can imagine. I'm so filled with emotion about what just happened. I, I just, it's extraordinary, extraordinary. All the crew cried after landing. I hope I never recover from this. Captain Kirk's a fictional figure. Uh, I'm flesh and blood. You're flesh and blood. You came back clearly moved. Tremendously, enormously. Shatner's reaction was so memorable, Blue Origin could turn it into a commercial hoping to reel in more paying customers. Shatner's ticket was comped. Another shrewd investment by Jeff Bezos. Nora? And a prime trip. Mark Strassman, thank you. So it only cost, for the 10-minute flight, $185,000. I think that's a bargain. I think that's pretty yeah, cheap. Yeah, I mean... Uh, what I'm very interested in is what are the margins on that? Uh, like I, I have no concept of how much fuel it takes, what the cost of the fuel is, how much they put into, you know, the capital development of the rocket itself. Like $185,000, of course, is a lot of money. Uh, maybe not a lot to some people who who have those sort sorts of means, but I'm just. I don't know. I'm just very curious from a, like, if you just look at the pure cat, because I think this is how we have to evaluate this, right? First and foremost, we're no longer in the era of 
at least in the United States, of a space, a government-funded space program that's doing regular work. I mean, we still have the International Space Station, which frankly is being mostly maintained by international parties and not as much the United States these days. And so we have to evaluate this as a as a new development in commercial flight. Essentially, that's what it is, right? And $185,000 to go to space. Uh, you know, some people find that affordable, um, but but man, that's that's something else. And they comped his flight. And the one thing that I noticed, <laughs> not to bring it back to reality for a second, but man, there was a lot of background noise in his statement. I don't know how they're going to filter that out and make that into something useful. Uh, because I, I thought that in that article say that they wanted to try and turn that into a commercial or something. So I don't know Eric, how I tried. I, I tried to find a. I wish those women would have stopped screaming. Yeah. They were jumping no, I, and screaming. I, I, I couldn't find a, a, a clip that had yep. where you could clearly hear Shatner without all the, the, the noise in the background. So that was the best one that I could find. But and, unfortunately, and I, totally agree, Jim. I, I listened to multiple ones and I every single news source had the same thing. Yeah, it was tough. But, you know, do you think we're entering a new age here where 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 anybody? Well, I use that word loosely where a, any normal person can travel to space now. You know, are we, are we inching ever so close to, to Star Trek here? I, well, mean, I definitely, it, I, I think those are two very different questions, Jim, and we could, we could probably spend quite a bit of time, but my short answer to that is yes, we're absolutely in an era where the average quote, quote unquote, average Joe who has the funds take over space now. Um, so that is kind of cool. Like that's a really cool development, right? Uh, because, yeah. um, you know, it's, it's a whole new industry that's opening up before us. Um, of course it just speaks to the people who can and, and the people who cannot and the people who have and the people who have not. So that's part of the equation too, but it is undoubtedly a new era for sure. Yeah. It makes me think of that movie, um, Oh God! What was the name of that movie with Matt Damon there, where all the rich people left the Earth and all of us poor Elysium. people that couldn't afford it? Elysium. Yeah, that was it. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And the Earth was just a crumbling, a garbage heap, and all of us poor folks had to stay here. So it kind of reminds me of, unless you have the hundred eighty-five thousand dollars to leave, you're stuck here. But listen, we actually have some callers on the line, so. Um, what do you say we go to the phone lines and see what people think about Shatner going to space? Woohoo! Let's start with this one here. Hey, good evening. Thank you for calling Trek Talk. And what's your name and where are you calling us from tonight? Oh, Shannon Hello? from Kentucky. Shannon, Shannon from Kentucky. Wow. Yeah, so have you ever seen Predator, <laughs> Shannon? <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> According okay. to Jim, everybody has seen Predator. Everybody has. Yeah, so everybody. I, I don't know. I, I don't know what goes on. What goes on with that? <laughs> so what's going on tonight, Shay? What do you think about Shatner going to space? I think that's really cool. I didn't, because, but actually, they did one a few months ago that that was the oldest person, but now Shatner's older. So yeah, because <laughs> yeah. not that many people that of that age that would fly. Yeah. Yeah. He had to. He had to do it. 
But uh, yeah, I think it's a yeah. I think it's a cool story. I and I mean, so. I yeah. I've been wondering about his age, you know, because I I still think back to movies like The Right Stuff and that kind of stuff where they show mm-hmm. the rigorous prep that those early astronauts had to do to even be part of the mm-hmm. space program. And and here we've got you know, yeah. uh, obviously like overweight, you know, uh, you know, William Shatner has enjoyed life and he's 90 years old and I'm sure he's in good health, mm-hmm. but maybe not amazing mm-hmm. health. But I think the big difference is that he's, he's not being trained to go up there and do work. Anything. Which is, well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Which is why it's a totally different situation from like the early astronauts who had to go through all this training because he's just a passenger. They're just going to put him right. up there and bring him back down. And he basically yep. doesn't have to do it. He's got a, He's got to resist X number of G's for so long as they're launching, and that's about it. Make sure he doesn't throw yeah, up. Yeah, just, just sit in the capsule and, and look out the window, and 10 minutes, you come back. Yeah, it's a little bit different than walking on the moon or landing a space module or, you know, the various or doing things that astronauts do. Working. Yeah, doing I, anything, I say, something. Getting trolled by a, an alien. If I had an extra 185k, I would absolutely do it, you guys. I just, I would, I would totally do it. I've well, always wanted to go what. to space, and I would. Do if it. I win the lottery, if I win the million dollar lottery, we'll all go to space together, and we'll <laughs> no, do a no, lot no. of trek we'll off the broadcast we'll, we'll from that. there. You heard it here first, people. <laughs> yep, <laughs> we'll, we'll do it live from space. Um, so we have another That'd be caller. Very cool. <laughs> um, let's see who this this uh, who else we have on the line. If I can get the phone to work, if it will, there we go. Good evening, thank you for calling Trek Talking. What's your name and where are you calling us from tonight? It's Nate from Vegas. Nate it's from it's Vegas, Vegas baby. Nate, are there two Vegas? Charles is trying to tell us that there's, this that there's two Vegases, which we did. Vegas. I you know I always think there's only one Vegas baby, but Charles says there's two. Yep, there's two. Mm-hmm. There's two. Wow. <laughs> See that? My wow, God. you learn something new every day. So, Nate, what do you think about Shatner going to space? Uh, well, uh, I think, and I wonder, if if they treated it like uh, with the president in Air Force One, and as soon as he boarded, they whatever the name of the rocket or spaceship that uh, he went up on, uh, was uh, then changed to Enterprise while he was up there. Um, uh-huh. That'd be cool. <laughs> and then that I'm also cool. uh, reminded of a TV series he did uh, with a bunch of other old-timers on NBC called Better Late Than Never. So I guess right. uh, going up to space, better late than never for him. <laughs> yep, exactly. Uh, yeah, so that's pretty cool. So uh, this is kind of a well, it's old now because he's back. But uh, the next story is five facts we need to know about William Shatner's Blue Origin trek to space. Uh, number one, at 90 years old, William Shatner will be the oldest human to fly in space. The current record holder is Wally Funk, 82, who flew in Jeff Bezos' Thanks. flight of Blue Origin in July. Uh, she's an accomplished uh-huh. pilot with more than 18,600 flight hours under her belt in the 1960s. She was denied entry to NASA astronaut program because of her gender. Yeah. Uh, Number two, this is the only the second Blue Origin mission with people on board. The first mission was previously mentioned 
Was it the flight in July with Wally Funk? The flight also carried Blue Origin and Amazon founders. Number three, in Star Trek, the motion picture, Captain Kirk and his crew investigate a menacing cloud that devours everything in his path. At the heart of the cloud is Viger, or what would eventually be revealed as Voyager 6. While Voyager 1 and 2 were launched between the end of the original series run and the first 13 movies, a real Voyager 6 was never actually built. Voyager 1, one of the oldest human man-made probes, has finally left the solar system and is traveling through the final frontier of interstellar space. Ironically, the Voyager's probe mission is like that of Star Trek's USS Enterprise, were only intended to last for five years. Yeah, how long has, has Voyager been out there? It's been, it's been longer than five uh, years, hasn't it? Oh, yeah. Must no, have Voyager's been. been out there since uh, it's been out there for like 30 or 40 years. I think it was the 60s, so maybe in the, I mean, no, it was the 70s, I think. Actually, I should look yeah, it up be, before I start talking about it. I'm be, pretty sure it's the 70s. I, I just looked it up. September 5th, 1977, Voyager 1 was launched. There we go. Wow. Wow. Okay. Yeah, it has to be out there for a while because Captain Klopp blows it up in Star Trek V, right? So well, I remember – well, no, he blows up – oh, yeah, he does. He blows up Voyager 1. But yeah, I remember when it crossed the threshold beyond um, Neptune, which I now believe is the – well, it's certainly the farthest planet. I think it's the farthest body right now, too. And that was a big deal, right, because that's the first human-made object to actually go into interstellar uh-huh. space. Yep. It is. It is. Uh, number four, Captain Kirk's Enterprise, according to the Star Trek database, has a crew of 430 with 14 science labs and observation deck. The ship was built in San Francisco. The new Shepard capsule Shatner will fly in, did fly in. Washington has room for six, and according to Blue Origin, the largest windows to fly in space. And number five, unlike the USS Enterprise's historic flight in September of 1966, which included Lieutenant Nyota Ohura, a black female communications officer played by Nichelle Nichols, there will be no people of color on board Shatner's flight, nor were there any people of color on July's mission. What a shame that is. Yeah, wow. Jeff better get on the ball there. And uh, Charles, (laughs) what what, what do you got for us tonight? Hey, watch History Channel. For Star Trek Fantasy, 55 Years of Star Trek is a brand new multi-episode documentary series, which were narrated by Star Trek Next Generation Dave McFadden. It is being produced by the same team behind the 2016 50 Years of Star Trek documentary. The Nacelle Company, who also produces popular Netflix documentaries, the movies that made us and the toys that made us just released a trailer for the Trek documentaries. Each episode of Center Seat will focus on a different chapter in Kirkwood's history. The documentary will be wide-reaching, dealing with how it began, where it's been, and how it boldly goes where no television series has gone before. Ian Romaine serves as showrunner and executive producer. With Gabe McFadden, Cisco Henderson, Ben Frost, and Mark Altman serving executive producers for the series. And yeah, I happen to have that on. trailer. I've got that trailer for you right here, guys. 
I still find gold in my, you know, various pores. You came on the set and it was hard not to think that you were on a space station. They were all incredible. It was just spectacular. There's an actor who's now out of work. My heart broke. When he came down with a brain tumor, I wanted to send a get-well card to the tumor. I said, I'll rewrite it as long as Gene Roddenberry does not put word on paper. We are at each other's throat. It was just almost physically impossible for us to generate 26 episodes. I'd given up any hope of a marriage, any hope of having a child of my own. Spock dies in the second act? You gotta be kidding me. Well, this doesn't seem to be what we set out to do. You don't leave somebody out while everybody's talking about them. That just pisses them off. I always thought that we were in jeopardy. I mean, we went longer than the original series. Watch out. And when you get what we call spontaneous erections and you're wearing a onesie. They offered me less money for Star Trek three than Star Trek two. I waved goodbye in the camera. Time went, oh, I think I'm done. I think I have to move on from the show. I said to my agent, get me out of this contract, get me off the show. I'm just at Paramount trying to produce my first motion picture, and I get death threats. He said, we have a problem. Shatner hates the script. Oh, that's it. We're done. We're toast. That's show business, baby. That's center seat. It, it looks interesting from the trailer, and uh, we'll have to see if we can talk about it on a future podcast. <laughs> so, we got anybody out there that likes to read books? Speaking of Star Trek books, yeah. on Monday we have Book Nook, and we're going to be talking about the Discovery book, Dead Endless, so you definitely want to check that out. And we're going to be on a special later time uh, at 9 o'clock, so you guys can tune in. But in the meantime... I have a list here of books that you can get on your Kindle for only 99 cents. There's some good ones on here and a couple of them that I've already picked up. Uh, we've got ebook deals for every Star Trek fan available on Oct- until October 31st. A Stitch in Time by Andrew J. Robinson. He plays Garrick, for those of you who don't know. Um, he wrote a Star Trek book. You can buy it for 99 cents. Rogue Saucer by John Volholt. Strangers from the Sky by Margaret Wander Bonanno. Ex Machina by Christopher L. Bennett. Planet X by Michael J. Friedman. That's an interesting one because it's about the X-Men meeting Star Trek. Mm-hmm. That's a fun book if you're into that kind of stuff. Left Hand of Destiny Book 1 and Left Hand of Destiny Book 2 by J.G. Hertzler and Jeffrey Lang. For those of you who don't know who J.G. Hertzler is, He plays General Martok. We have the three-minute universe by Barbara Paul and the Wrath of Khan movie novelization by Vonda and McNintry. Great book. I picked up that one myself. So you can go over to any Kindle, and you can pick those up for 99 cents until October 31st. And speaking of Star Trek books, Charles, what's your next story? Okay, Star Trek The Next Generation cast tonight reunites for audiobook of Brent Spiner. The title of Spiner's new novel is Fan Fiction, a memoir inspired by true events. Here is how the publisher describes it. Brent 
Brent Spiner's explosive and hilarious novel is a personal look at the polygamous relationship between celebrities and my screen going blank because of a cat stepping on it. <laughs> <laughs> it's that not AJ. this time. <laughs> no, he's locked out. He's not in here. Brent Spiner's explosive and hilarious novel is a personal look at the slightly skewed relationship between a celebrity and his fans. If the Cohen brothers were to make a Star Trek movie involving the complex complexity of land obsession and sci-fi, this noir comedy might just be the one. Set in 1991, does Star Trek The Next Generation had rocked the cast to global fame? The young, impressionable actor Brett Spiner receives a mysterious package and a series of disturbing letters that take him on a terrifying and bizarre journey that enlists Paramount Security, the LAPD, and even the FBI in putting a stop to the dangers that has his life and career hanging in the balance. The book includes scenes with Spiner's real-life TNT co-stars, a number of them joined him for the audio version. The full cast recording of fan fiction includes LeVar Burton, Michael Dorn, Jonathan Frake, Gene Francis, Gabe McFadden, Marina Sirtis, and Patrick Stewart. Finer collaborates with writer Gene Garth, fiction ruined my family for the novel, in which arrives in hardcover and ebook. Last Tuesday. <laughs> Better wow. late than never. That and, uh, yeah. the, here's the uh, here's the book trailer, guys. This one sounds great. We definitely got to do this one on a book nook. When I was on TV every week in the 90s, some people confused me with my character, including one very passionate admirer who turned fan mail into a deadly art. I knew being a celebrity would come with a cost. I just didn't want it to be my life. Yeah, that's that's the clip. And actually, um, there's a really good clip on, you guys can find it on YouTube, where uh, LeVar Burton is talking about giving Brent Spiner the placenta from the birth of his daughter so that they can bury it in the backyard under a tree. And there's all kinds of funny stories that the cast is included in. So, uh, and, and it's being read by the entire cast. So I think this is one that I'm going to have to pick up on audiobook, which I generally don't do, but I want, you know, if Patrick Stewart's going to read it and Jonathan Frey, if they're all going to read their parts, I want to hear it. So um, I'm going to pick this one up on uh, audiobook for sure. I just bought it on audiobook. Yeah, I'm going to definitely pick it up. And guys, you need to run to the microwave and get those get those pizza bites, get those chicken wings. we got to take another quick commercial break, but we'll be right back. It's been a long road Getting from there to here It's been a long time But your time is finally here you can feel the change in your thoughts right now. Nothing's in your way. And they're not gonna hold you down no more. 
No, they're not going to hold you down Cause we've got faith, love your call We want to hear what you have to say We've got faith to believe In just talking today You've got faith in your fingers All you got to do is bow down You can reach us right now We've got faith and we're back so if i can get this to work there we go and we're back and uh we were talking about klingons a little bit earlier and of course everybody knows that i'm a huge huge klingon fan right you you guys know that don't you I think we've heard it once or twice. Yeah. I think we've vaguely heard about it. Yeah, and I'm also a Gremlins fan, too. Did you know that? Uh Giant inflatable gizmo. Yeah, I think I knew that. Yeah, we all knew that. (laughs) So so when you put Klingons together with with, uh, gizmo, what do you get? Well, you get Mary Chifo singing a song, a Klingon song for Star Trek Online. Murray Chifo returns as Klingon High Chancellor Lorel in Star Trek Online's House United and is proud to premiere Steel and Flames. Mary sings in Klingon. Chifo originated Lorel in Star Trek Discovery Season 1 and Season 2, but Star Trek Online brought the Noble Warrior back as part of its Klingon-centric trilogy, which concludes with House United. Murray Chifo said, the title is Steel and Flames. That is the main chorus. It's a pretty Klingon thing. Jason Charles Miller wrote the song and lyrics. Luckily, we were able to get the translation from the Klingon Language Institute and Robin Stewart, who I work with on Discovery, who is wonderful. The whole Klingon Language Institute is such a wonderful group of people. I was very lucky to come up with the lyrics that fit rhythmically as well as translation-wise. There were a few syllables and things we had to work out, but luckily we were able to figure it all out, which is one of the neat things about Klingon being a living language. In learning the song, my technique was listening to the linguist version and then going in with the Klingon version and singing the Klingon stuff on top of it. What I found interesting in talking to Jason, who wrote the lyrics, is that he was looking at Klingons overall, but also specifically Lorel's journey. And what I found, the game also referenced her journey and discovery that was being that was being in this intense world and fighting for what's right. I bear the scars that you've given to me. I hold the sword and I long to breathe free. Laurel literally gets this scar and I was always appreciated the metaphor that in her journey she went through so much and chose to keep the scar, which is a very Klingon thing to do. It heals up over time, but she kept it as a reminder of the sacrifice that Volk had made and she and herself had made. There's a lyric about a traditional, a traitorous leader, which is very much Laurel's journey, toppling the, the patriarchy and the certain male Klingons who are taking up space they don't need to be taking. So, yes, it's very epic. I would definitely look to find the Klingon translation of the song because they are very, very fun and very, very epic. I love Mary Chifo, and I love Laurel. And I hope we get to see her again on Strange New Worlds. But did you guys hear the song yet? Oh, yeah. It's, you know, it's, it's, 
I'm going to play it for you guys here. It's a great song. And remember, this is Mary Chifo, Chancellor Lorel herself, singing the song, and this is it. driving down the street with my Klingon head on, banging my head while I'm listening to that song and I pull up at a traffic light. 
I love it. I yeah. love it. I love it so I much. Mean, I am. A, I'm a huge fan of symphonic metal anyway, and I just feel like Mary Sifo does a really, really nice job here. Like, she's got a pretty decent voice. She's obviously one of the few people in the world who's becoming a master of the Klingon language, which I think is really, really cool. And the first time I heard this, I just got goosebumps and got kind of giggly all over. <laughs> I, I would go to see that in concert. <laughs> oh, know? heck yeah. Oh, heck yeah, man. Her in like a long black and red dress with like the lights going and like the band behind. It would be amazing. It would be amazing. I'd have a batless guitar. <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It'd be cool. Anyways, the, you know, it, this show just goes off in so many different directions, you know? It's, 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 it's part of that leftist conspiracy you know that, theory that's going the on. Time. It's the first time in living memory I can remember us playing a symphonic metal song, though. <laughs> so thank you, Star Trek. <laughs> yeah, we've, we've we've done it all. So uh, we're gonna go from uh, we're gonna go from Laurel singing to Prodigy and uh, Charles. What do you got for us? Okay, I'm sure some of you have seen a little bit about this. Star Trek, Star Trek, Prodigy, clip. Robert Beltran, Jason Alexander, Jamil, Jamel, Jamil, and D.V. Digg joins cast. Robert Beltran will be reprising his role as Dakota, who is now Captain Dakota. Whether or not he'll be hologram is yet to be announced. David Diggs will play an enduring character named Commander Tyrese. Is all is best known for his role in Hamilton, and his voice characters in Bob Berger, Central Park, and Stark are Wars Resistance. Yeah, yeah, don't make Jamila that mistake there. We'll, we'll get yeah. the hate mail if you get that wrong. Excuse Amelia and Jamil are from Good Place, and whose Good Place co-star Jason Menzaka plays Jan Tom Paul, and will be voicing Ensign and Cena at Trill. And Jason Alexander, a longtime Star Trek fan who guest starred on Voyager, will provide the voice of Dr. Nurm, a Tellarite. The one hour Haji premiere, Lost and Found, about a group of Wallace teens exiled on a mining colony outside of Federation space to discover a derelict Star Trek Starfleet ship. Will be available on streaming Paramount Plus in the United States, as well as Latin America, the Nordics, and Australia, and CTV Sci-Fi Nintendo October 28th. And I have a clip. I have a clip for you guys. This is the first clip that has uh, hologram Janeway. I'm Catherine Janeway, your training advisor. I'm a hologram based on one of the most decorated captains in Starfleet history, programmed to assist the Protostar's crew on their journey back to Federation space. 
She's hideous. Why is her forehead so smooth? Ugh. You're no summer peach either, Telluride. Ha 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 ha! likes her. What's this, Fredder? Federation? What Starfleet crew doesn't know the Federation? Where's your captain? Right here. I am the captain. And I order you to return us to Tarkamora. Oh, forgive her. She's delirious. Her brain's sick with space flu. I'm in command of this ship. Uh, quite a vote of confidence. I'm only here to offer advice and maintain the Protostar's lower-level functions. Everything else is up to your crew. But I believe there is something you aren't being truthful about. Uh. <laughs> so, if you guys watched the um, Ready Room today after the Lower Decks finale, of course, Will Wheaton had an exclusive sneak peek at the premiere of Star Trek Prodigy. And I was able just squeak it in under the wire, able to rip that for you guys and get it on the air tonight. It just dropped today about a half an hour before we went live. So this is the clip that William that uh Will Wheaton played today on the ready room. It's called the uh, sneak peek at Prodigy. And it's it's a short one but it's something new. You invited that thing? What is that bag of spit? Is it a that? I named him Murph. I can't wait to hear what he has to say. He's such a chatterbox. Aren't you Murph? <laughs> He's probably too smart for a translator. Uh, oh, no, 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 no. Back, back, back. No, 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 no. Get away from this. At least our secret's safe with him. Watchers are coming this way. They're tracking our monitors. What will happen if they catch us? You're a survivor. Help us survive. So that's all the new information that we have on Prodigy at this time. Prodigy is going to air on October 28th. So keep that in mind. Um, what do you guys think about that? Uh, it sounds very exciting to me. It's, I love the kind of background music that's going on back there. It sets a real texture for the show. And I love the kind of like mentoring idea that Janeway uh, introduces there, which is, listen, I'm going to help you like turn the ship on, but <laughs> you have to figure out what to do with it. So I, I really like that. It, it just sets a course for adventure right from the start. Yeah, and I, I like the animation style, too. Mm. I'm looking forward yeah, to it. it looks really good. And, uh, Eric, you have our next story. I but do. before we do uh, that, oh yeah. before yeah. we do that, though, we have a brand new trailer for Star Trek Discovery Season 4. It dropped at New York City Comic Con, and I'm going to play it for you guys before Eric reads his story. Once we enter the anomaly, we are going where no one has gone before. Life is just a blink. It is one heartbeat in the entire lifespan of the universe. Captain? Captain? Are you with us? Today we seek to understand a threat like none our galaxy has faced before. What exactly is this anomaly? We're not certain. Our ship was hit by something. 
together we will meet this threat to our shared galaxy. Until we understand the anomaly well enough to predict its path, billions more lives will be at risk. Not on our watch. Leadership is about balance. Your acts of bravery are huge swings of the pendulum. And there is a very fine line between a pendulum and a wrecking ball. It'll be bumpy. We could be destroyed. We're totally going to ignore that warning, aren't we? Mm-hmm. Oh, well. I loved a good life. Jump. With so much at stake. Countless lives. Futures. Once we enter the anomaly, we are going where no one has gone before. Wherever we come from, whatever our experiences, you got this. We're all in this together. I gotta have hope that we'll find a way to stop it. We cannot let fear define us in this moment. The future remains uncertain. But the captain in me knows anything is possible. Ready when you are, Captain. Let's fly. Okay, Eric, let's fly. Yeah, we've got uh-huh. the New York City Star Trek Discovery panel. Reveal season four theme, Federation president, and more. That's right. We've got words right from the cast mouth here. After seeing the new trailer, Wilson Cruz put it in some context of how season four fits into the reality we have all been living in for the last couple of years. He says, quote, I feel like the stakes that we're living in breathes into that trailer. The stakes in the story were really high, but the stakes in which we are making and telling this story were also high. And the theme of the entire season is about uncertainty and about how we come together to deal with it and walk through uncertainty and lean on each other as we find a way through it. And we are doing that in real life as well. Totally agree. Uh, Michelle Paradise also helped set the stage for where the Federation is at the beginning of the season. Uh, She says, the Federation isn't quite back together again. We've made some progress at the end of season three, but certainly that's something that's continuing in season four. And a lot happens in season four. Not sure what else I can say. There's action and adventure and science and Star Trek. <laughs> so there you go. There you uh, Wise words also from our big star. A major change for season four is that Michael Burnham is now the captain of the USS Discovery. Martin Green talked about how Burnham is balancing her new duties with the rest of her life. Everything has led to sitting down in that chair and assuming that role. And that year alone, between episodes 301 and 302, was essential. Because really, for the first time, it was a second to breathe and stop and ask myself, as Burnham, what and who am I, actually? I have always had someone to tell me who I should be, and I've always done my best to excel at that. But I've overcompensated, and I've made a lot of mistakes because of it. So who am I, actually? And now... I can be that person. But love what Burnham's mother says, where duty and joy go hand in hand, and that you can actually choose both. And I love that in this season coming up, you see these people finding out exactly how they can choose both in their lives and in their own ways. Um, so that, that 
you know, it's funny that the trailers have been kind of so, so epic that I'm kind of like, whoa, my mind is just constantly blown. Um, where are the cool, like, little character stories that I have come to know and love from Star Trek? And um, these little quotes from these actors kind of give me hope that Star Trek Discovery Season 4 will actually be developing those as well, in addition to the, oh, my God, everybody's going to die if we don't do this thing type story. And the um, the article, there's a lot more interviews, Mary Wiseman and uh, um, uh uh, Stamets. There's a lot of other uh, Doug Jones. There's a lot of other people that they t- that were on that panel that you can read their quotes in there. That they talked about a lot more than just a few that I pulled out. So please go and read the entire article if you want to hear what the entire cast had to say. So it's definitely definitely looks interesting. And a couple of things: the um, Saru is in this trailer, and he makes he says the line. Uh, we're ready to go, Captain. So we know we left Saru on the home world of Kaminar with Sukal at the end of last season. So from the trailer, we already know that Saru is back. He does find his way back, and he is the first officer on the Discovery. At some point, we don't know when, but at some point, he comes back as first officer. So for those of you who were worried that Doug Jones was gone and Saru was gone, we know for a fact he's not because he's in the trailer. So he'll be back at some point, which is cool. We do see a new Federation president. It's no longer, um, or I don't, we didn't actually ever saw the Federation president. That was uh, no. um, Admiral, um, uh, what was his name there? I can't remember his name, but that wasn't the Federation president, but we do see no, the no. Federation president yeah. in this clip. And, it's interesting because she kind of looks like a, a Cardassian, but not really a Cardassian. Kind of um, maybe I don't know a Cardassian Vulcan, maybe. No, I don't know. she's well. They've said that she is supposed to be a Cardassian Bajoran human, um, and they use the word hybrid. Uh, so that she's supposed to be kind of multiracial. And I think that's probably one of the most interesting things to me is that, um, you know, to see where the Cardassians have gone. Um, yes, David, who's also listening to us, she sort of looks a little bit like a Denobulan, um, but she doesn't have the blue eyes uh, that Phlox has. And I don't, I don't know that, that they've talked about her being Denobulan. I do think that they're kind of playing with this idea of the Bajorans and the Cardassians and the humans you know, in the last 900 years have have probably spent a little bit more time mixing. Um, and I honestly, like, that's one of my favorite things about uh, Star Trek Discovery in the 32nd century is that, you know, we're seeing, you know, I, you may be dipping into this as well, Jim, but, uh, you know, in this trailer we see a Ferengi. And it doesn't look yeah. exactly like the Ferengi we've seen in the past, but it looks pretty close. And it looks like, to me, a Ferengi that, you know, has experienced some racial mixing over the years. So at some point, somebody else had a baby with a Ferengi, and that, you know, that made its way into the DNA. And to me, this is Star Trek adjusting to what we have in the world here. We, we many, many societies around the world, as time goes by, become more and more multiracial. And I just think that Star Trek kind of responding to that. So we, you know, we don't see Ferengi like we've seen them in the past. We see new Ferengi because they're not maybe pure Ferengi anymore. I, I hope, I hope, I don't know this for a fact, but I hope 
that that Ferengi we see, maybe he's the captain of the USS Nog, which is a starship we see <laughs> in the beginning, you know, be a good tribute to, to Aaron, you know. It's cool that the, we had the USS Nog. I don't think he's Captain Rank, but I definitely think that it's cool that they're at least bringing the race back in and, and showing us how they've changed over the last 900 years. Yeah, I thought that was cool. I know yeah. um, a lot of fans didn't like that, but I'm going to give it a chance and see how it how it pans out before I make a decision on whether or not he's cool or not. And the and final Jim, story that we have to talk about, before we get down to our, our big story, which of course is Lower Deck season finale, um, is one that, that I picked for myself. Star Trek Strange New Worlds wraps production with a video message to the fans. Uh, that's a wrap on Star Trek Strange New Worlds first season. The news that the Star Trek Discovery spinoff series officially finished principal photography came on Monday with a message from series star Anson Mount. Mount plays Christopher Pike, captain of the USS Enterprise, before James Kirk. He addressed the fans who campaigned to make the series happen after seeing Pike along with Ethan Peck's Spock and Rebecca Romaine's number one in Star Trek Discovery's second season. Star Trek Strange New World series premiere was written by Akiva Goldsman from a story by Akiva Goldsman, Alex Kurtzman, and Jenny Lumont. Goldsman and Henry Owens Myers serve as co-showrunners with Goldsman directing the premiere episode. And of course, guys, I have that soundbite for you. This is the message that Anton Mount posted on his Twitter account. That's it, guys. That is an official wrap on season one of Star Trek Strange New Worlds. I can't believe that I'm saying that. Uh, it's been such a journey. It's been an honor to work with this cast and with this crew. And I just want to remind you that, that this is happening because of you, the fans. You made this happen. And we are so grateful for your support, for your continued support, for all of your well wishes. So all of our footage now gets to go over to our incredible post-production team to begin their process, and hopefully we'll be getting something out to you sometime next year. <laughs> Not exactly sure when, but we'll figure it out, and we'll let you know. Again, thank you for giving us this opportunity, and uh, we hope you like it. Well, guys, next year isn't as far away as it sounds. And we do have a lot, a lot to look forward. In the meantime, um, Star Trek Lower Decks wraps up tonight. Prodigy starts October 28th. Um, Discovery starts on November 18th. And assuming they stick with their schedule, Picard uh, should start at the end of February or the beginning of April, uh, which leaves Strange New World kind of you know, sometime after that. So it's not that far away, and we do have a lot of Star Trek to look forward to in the meantime. So that's pretty exciting. And I, I personally love Anton Mount. I love Captain Pike, and I am, I am very much excited for Star Trek Strange New World. I, I can't wait to see some footage from the show, and uh, I'm just really excited. There's, there's so much they can do with it because – like I said, Chancellor Rell is still floating around out there, and she, she knows – well, if you read the comic books, we know that she knows Captain Pike and that they have a, um, an uneasy relationship. So um, 
they could definitely play off of that in the future. And of course, we still heard all these rumors about Section 31 with with Michelle Yeoh and uh, Ash Tyler. And Ash Tyler currently is hanging out there. We don't know where where Carl sent the Emperor, but um, you know, there's always that possibility that they could show up as well. So there's a lot of potential with Star Trek Strange New Worlds, and I'm very well, psyched about it. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Well, let's let's say Jim. Let's say this, Jim. The next possibility for a time teaser is going to be mid-November. Star Trek London comes That's soon. Right. That's right. next month. They could throw a teaser somewhere over there, and that's who they need to tease. Yeah, they could tease Picard. They could tease Strange New World. It'd be a great time to tease Strange New World. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. There's, there's so much potential for different things um, that they could do here. I'm just, I'm psyched for it. I'm really, it's a great time to be a Star Trek fan here. We got so much yeah. to look forward to. And, and they always said that they wanted to have Star Trek round the clock every Thursday, new Star Trek. And we're, we're almost getting there. We're almost at that point. So that's great news. Well, guys, we have to take our final, final commercial break of the evening. Our phone number here is 646-668-2433. Give us a call if you've watched Lower Decks and you want to talk about it. We'll be here talking about it. And um, First First Contact was the name of the season finale. And it's a doozy, and we're going to talk about it. So give us a call, 646-668-2433. We have to take a very quick commercial break. And for this commercial break, we're going to we're going to listen to the Star Trek Picard trailer. And right after that's over, we're going to dive right into Lower Deck. So don't touch that dial. I first saw you as a man who chose the stars. But after all this time, I've come to wonder, have you been seeking or running? Recall what I said, Jean-Luc, when last we parted ways. The trial never ends. Q, I am way too old for your bullshit. Guys, we have big problems. Something moved us. Q went back in time and turned our world into a totalitarian nightmare. Do you understand what this means? Time has been broken. I will get us home, together. The only way to heal our future is to go back and repair the past. There are ways of traveling in time. Great. Now what? Welcome to the earth of the 21st century. You're saying we can undo this nightmare? Let's go to work. You can pilot a starship, but you can't drive. You two really need to work on your communication. See, there you go. Now you're in sync. We have three days before the future is changed irrevocably. 
But even in the darkest of circumstances, there is a light. Where are you taking us? Home. And we're back, guys. We're going to talk about Star Trek Lower Decks, Season 2 finale, first, first contact. Uh, so give, it, give us a call, yeah. 646-668-2433 to join in the conversation. But before we do that, we need to do this. Black alert, y'all. We are about to make the jump to some serious spoiler territory. It- Black alert, y'all. We are about to make the jump to some serious spoiler territory. That's right. We're going to have some serious, serious spoilers here. So if you haven't watched it yet, quick run, watch it. Go watch it, then come back. And then hurry on back because uh, there's no way we can talk about it and really not spoil it for you, which we don't really want to do. So let's dive right in and um, and have some fun with it, with with uh. Lower deck. What are you? Why are you squatting? We're going to die! Stop that! I can't. It's leg day. That's right. It's leg day. I love that clip from Mariner. So um, this particular episode is the season finale, or season two, but. Season three is either already in production or currently in production. They did season two and three back-to-back, same thing they did with Picard due to COVID because it's easier to work on an animated series through the restrictions than it is to do live action. So season two and season three were done simultaneously. And there's a reason for that, which we're going to get to later on in the episode. But why don't we start off, uh, eeny, meeny, my? why don't we let Charles start us off with this episode this time. Charles, why don't you dive right in and take the lead? All right. Well, I'll try with this one. We get the Cerritos and find out that the Cerritos is going to assist with the first contact. The main ship is going to go in and do the first contact, and then they'll come in and help work with the civilization after. And sticking with the main story, we get the two ships getting ready to launch. They launch the planet. And the lead ship, which I cannot think of the name of the ship at the moment, but Eric will remember. Archimedes. Archimedes heads towards the planet. They realize it's a slight atmospheric issue around the planet. And I think like a small chunk of asteroid pushes into an abandoned planet or moon and creates a huge, creates an asteroid belt, literally and tears through the Archimedes and forces the Archimedes to almost tailspin straight towards the planet. And it's going to crash into the planet 
really destroying their first contact. And the three days, it's like, what can we do? What can we do? What? <clears throat> what is there to do? And I love when all of a sudden the plan comes together. It's like, okay, we can't go in there with shielding. We can't go in there with shields. Let's eject all the hull plating and go in in just impulse. And you've never seen a ship where they've actually taken all the hull plating off. It was fascinating to see them go through and try to get all those pieces off. We do show an interesting attempt with what has to go through to get the last piece off. But we finally get to it. We get some pretty good cliffhangers in there that what's going to happen. As we've got a ship, as we've got the bridge who's opened the atmosphere. And you have to have crew members sitting there telling the navigator how to move around. Mariner gets sucked out the window almost into space and gets rescued at the last moment by a crew member she thought she, thought she didn't like. And at the last moment, of course, they get in there just in time to tractor beam the ship back out, the other ship back out and save it from crashing into the planet. And the captain gets to actually do her first, gets to do her first, gets to do the first contact. And we find out it's a very friendly race. We also get anything little side story that. I guess ships kind of do their own Picard day as they went to a Captain Day. And Captain Day comes in the first contact day as the Cerritos celebrates getting to do its first ever con- first contact. But we've got a couple other side stories that throw us into Major Loop. As we find out, the captain is getting a promotion. And she can't take her crew with her. So how are we going to deal with this issue, especially with how the crew finds out? And they feel like they're left in the dark. So they're just kind of torn apart and not thinking. Tilly has an interesting situation because she thinks the doctor wants to to delete her, take her off the ship completely. And then we get the season finale and we drop it right there because I'm not sure how far we want to get to that finale. Another great episode. We've only had a couple of episodes where we're like, it's okay, it wasn't great. We've run so many good and great episodes this season. Season two has been very well written. I'm very impressed with the direction they've taken Lower Deck. What do you think, I think guys? 
Charles, I think that there's been more ups than downs in season two for me. I think there was only one oh, yeah. or two episodes that were like, eh. I think it's been more really good ones than there has been duds. Yeah. For me, anyways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And th- this particular episode, I thought it was great because we get to see the return of. Well, I want to leave. I want to leave some stuff for Char for Eric. Um, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna go somewhere else. Well, we we get to see a brand new starship. I'm gonna leave that for Eric. We get to see a brand new starship in this episode, which Charles hinted at. The USS Archimedes, which is an Obana class, and uh, it's the first time we see this ship. And it's kind of a, a, a cross between the Excelsior and the Enterprise E. It's kind of got the Enterprise E nacelles, but the Excelsior uh, shape more or less. And it has a familiar captain, a captain that a lot of us might know. I'll leave that for Eric to get into. Um, she's a great captain, a captain that um, I was thrilled to see her show up again. And there's a funny little joke that uh, an ensign on her ship has an accident, and she makes reference to another famous scene in Star Trek. I'll leave for Eric. Um, so I thought that that new starship looked great. I thought the leaving Starbase, the last time we saw that that Starbase was uh, the next generation. I think it was one 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 zero zero one one zero zero one when the Enterprise leaves space dock. I think that's the last time we saw that space dock. We did see it in Star Trek 3 and Star Trek 4, and we see it again in Lower Decks, which was great. Um, at the end of the episode where the where the Cerritos comes to the rescue. I thought it was great that we saw a, a, a Grissom class, or not a, what's the name of the class? Uh, Sukovsky. Um, what was the name of that ship? The USS. Yeah. Uh, it's an Oberth class. It's an class. class. Yeah, we get to see an Oberth class, which was, which I thought was great um, in the background. That was really fun. And we get to see Ransom piloting the Cerritos using a joystick like Riker did <laughs> in Star Trek Nemesis, or Insurrection. We just um, talked about that so, last week. Yeah, and there it is. It pops up on the joystick. And we actually get to see a part of the Starship that we've talked about many, many times. We've heard it mentioned many, many Yay! times. We actually see it. And they have dolphin crew members, of which was they interesting. Do. Um, yeah. Kind of reminded me of Sequest, where they had the dolphins swimming around talking. Um, yep. I thought it was a little weird, though, that they were wearing Starfleet uniforms. How did oh they get God. them on and off? Uh, <laughs> that was with, 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 that they were with they uniforms. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but it was cool, and they were talking too. They had a translator that could translate dolphinese into English, so they were they were talking, which I thought was great. So that that was to finally get to see uh, that part of the ship that we've heard so much yep. about. We we see it, which was really really neat. Um, a mariner makes when 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 Freeman's going to leave the ship. Mariner says, "Well, we could get we could get a, a captain that walks around with a riding crop." And of course, we know who that's a, a reference to Star Trek Three and Captain Styles of the USS Excelsior. Um, so that was that was funny if you guys caught that. And uh the race that they meet, uh 
they come right down and Captain Captain Freeman gets to make her first first contact and she gets drunk. And I thought oh. that was funny when she gets back Oops. on the ship and she's drunk. Uh, there was just so much going on in this episode. It was it was fun. It was a fun fun episode. And I don't know if I want to get into the way it ends. You guys can watch it for yourself and see the ending. But there's definitely going to be a next season, and I, I want to leave it at that because yeah. I don't want to I don't want to cut off too much of of Eric's thunder. So um, I'll stop there, and I'll turn it over to Eric. Well, I also will leave the very ending alone so you all can watch the episode and figure out how the episode ends, and we'll, we'll all talk about it in a couple weeks after you've had a chance to see it. But uh, Jim gracefully allowed me to be the one to reveal to you that we get to see the return of no longer ending. Wait, 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 Okay, here we go. Oh, yeah, here we go. All right, we get to see the return of no longer Ensign. That's right, Jordy's girlfriend, Sonia Gomez. <laughs> yep. Um, and it's really cool because they brought the actress back. Uh, she's voiced in this episode by uh, Lycia Naff, who, of course, played her in uh, TNG. And it's I, I just love this in particular because, first of all, the theme of the show is Lower Decks, right? And then what they did was they brought in a character who appeared in two episodes, two episodes of TNG, but obviously had an impact because most people who have watched TNG will be able to tell you who Sonia Gomez is. Um, And they brought her back and they made her into a captain. And the last time we saw her, she was a, I won't say bumbling, I'll say super smart, but very awkward ensign uh, aboard the Enterprise D. So um, she, of course, first shows up in the Next Generation episode, Q-Who, which is kind of an interesting episode because it's the very first episode where we see the Borg. Um, It's the first episode where we see Guinan. Um, We see Q, of course, in that one. We see some Borg babies. We see all types of stuff going on. And uh, she's a little bit of a side story in that one. But uh, she reappears here 16 years later. Uh, in Lower Decks, and she's a captain now. And the line that um, that Jim was referencing earlier, which I just thought was was fantastic, there's a kind of another awkward ensign on her bridge who trips and falls, and she says, don't worry, I've done way worse in front of much more intimidating captains. And that, of course, is a reference to when she tripped and splashed hot chocolate all over our guy Jean-Luc Picard. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in the episode Q-Who. Uh, but the coolest thing about Sonia Gomez is the second time I think she shows up, she actually shows up in the Samaritan Snare, which of course is the Packlids episode. And we are so Packlids focused in Lower Decks this season that I think it's really, really cool that they brought in Sonia Gomez as a character in a series where the Packlids are featured, given that one of two episodes that she was in was a Packlid episode. So... Just, I, I, I loved that she showed up. I loved the look of her, uh, of the Archimedes. Yeah, I'd, of course, when you first see it, you're like, oh, that's an Excelsior. And then you're like, wait a second. Those nacelles look like the Enterprise E. Those are sovereign class nacelles. So Obina class uh, confirmed by Mike McMahon, brand new class. Um, there's really no information on it yet. 
uh, on the internet, but I'm sure somebody will develop some. Um, one of the problems that uh, Charles was talking about in this episode that they run into is these things, uh, this planet is surrounded with these things that have radiolytic isotopes. Now, if that is a term that has, uh, you know, ring some bells for you, that's because radiolytic isotopes are the reason that the Enterprise NX-01 crew had to go up into the catwalk. Uh, I don't know if you remember that episode, the catwalk or not, but there was a certain area of space they had to go through. They had to kind of climb to the safe area of the ship and get away from the radiolytic isotopes. So they bring that back in lower decks here. But my favorite part of that is when they talk about how to get through them, Kayshawn, the uh, – uh, oh, shoot, Tamarian. Yeah, the Tamarian is like – well, can't we just uh, warp through them? And everybody's like, <laughs> it's just one of those moments where Lower Decks is recognizing that there's a very logical solution to this that we are not going to explore <laughs> because story. <laughs> but yeah, Jim hit that nail on the head. Uh, and then I'll hand it over to uh, Nate, who hopefully is still online. Citation Ops was absolutely my favorite part. Uh, I love, I think maybe three or four track talking episodes ago, I said, man, I really hope we see Cetacean Ops before the end of the season. And here we are. We get to see it. It shows up on a map on Enterprise D back in the day. It now has been referenced many, many times in Lower Decks. And now we actually get to go into it and see what it looks like. And um, turns out these dolphins are a little bit freaky. I'll let you uh, decide what you think about that when you watch the episode. <laughs> no. Before it, yeah. There, there were a couple of things. Do you think that when uh, Rutherford has his little memory lapse, is yeah. that Section 31? Well, Just I don't know if it's Section there? 31 or not. It could possibly be. Um, so Jim's referencing a part where uh, Rutherford deletes some memories, and he has a memory that he thinks he's maybe not supposed to have, uh, where it's kind of suggested that maybe somebody gave him his cybernetic implants against his will. Uh, so I am very curious to see where that goes in the next season for sure. Cause they, yeah. just, they just drop that little thing on us at the very last moment. And you're like, what? Wait a second. And then the other thing that I read on one of the, one of the boards was that the Vulcan officer that we see last week, Talon gets reassigned to a Federation ship. And I don't want to ruin the ending for people that haven't seen it, but is it possible that she is one of the, the Romulan spies that we see in Star Trek Picard that's planted in Starfleet, um, like like a Commodore O, and we're seeing the seeds of that in Lower Decks? Possibly? Because she's, she's very un-Vulcan-like. I think Somebody she's probably that. just got some – she might just have some Serenite ancestors <laughs> – <laughs> or oh yeah, there we go. There's them stalagmites. They always come back. <laughs> yeah, I kind of, I, well, I honestly, I hope they keep her as a Vulcan because I think she works better as a Vulcan who's not, who's only like 99% Vulcan. I, I, I just think that's so funny. Well, I'm, I wonder if we might see a Vulcan, and we might see a, uh, a more active Andorian. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for I sure. I think there was a join the crew, group. There's a pretty good suggestion, I think, in this episode that Jennifer finds Boimler kind of cute, and so I would not be surprised to see maybe a little relationship develop with them next season. 
Well, I think we're going to see it. I think we might see a different relationship with Jennifer. I think Jennifer and Mariner are going to going to go off together. Yeah, that's a possibility too. They definitely got because in the in the naked in the in the naked time episode, we see uh, we see Jennifer making out with the female Trill on the holodeck, and then uh, Mariner and her run off holding hands, and Mariner makes some comment about. Um, something like uh, you were looking at my ass or something. I'd have to watch it again. But she, she makes some too, comment well, she about at the beginning of the episode, she says her being in her dreams butt. of her ass yep. or something. Yep. <laughs> so I think, you know, we'll have to wait and see. But but where we are running out of time, and I do want to hear from Nate. So, Nate, what do you think about the, the season finale of Lower Decks? Well, actually, since you are running out of time, I will pass it on to our other caller so you can have her give you uh, her opinion if she's seen it. No, uh, unfortunately, Shannon had to leave. Oh, so it's okay. all well, on you. you. Just have me. <laughs> so, uh, it's all, you got the so overall, I enjoyed it. Uh, I enjoyed it overall. The only There were only two parts that I was like um, – that's that's kind of um, not able to be done in that amount of time with uh, the resources that you guys have, and I'm needing the uh, the whole separation. So that was that was and and the fact that a certain whole piece had to be taken out in cetacean ops. That was the other one that I was just <laughs> like, you guys are kind of stretching it here. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but overall, I enjoyed it. That was just me as a as a as an aircraft mechanic. Yes, I know this is a starship, but as an aircraft mechanic, uh, I know you need if you're going to do something as serious as that, that needs to be pulled into. In the case of this, into dry dock uh, to get it done with the resources that a dry dock has. You're not. Uh, I don't know. I'd have to look on Memory Alpha to see the crew size of this, but they just didn't have the resources to get that done, in my opinion. So that was that was just the only part of the episode that it was hard to swallow for me. But overall, it was a pretty good episode and one of their better ones. And why why the would they put the, to... the emergency relief valve down in the bottom of a of a of a dolphin pen, and then Rutherford right. says it's not designed for flippers. Well, if they put it down there, don't you think they would have made it designed so that that the the fish people, the the dolphins, would be able to operate it? I mean, it would only make sense, right? At least with their little noses, their dolphin noses to be able to operate it. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, Suspension of disbelief. Right. Yeah. Uh, the other thing I wanted to quickly point out, uh, since I was on uh, Memory Alpha, does have a little bit about uh, the ship, but only just from this episode. Just says the star date. Um, but it does point out on Memory Alpha that there was one other USS Archimedes uh, in uh, the current modern day Star Trek. And that was uh, a ship that uh, Lieutenant Philippa Giorgio um, was on and made first contact with the Kelpians in Brightest Star and Sound of Thunder from Discovery. So she was on the USS Archimedes of the 23rd century. It doesn't state what class it was. 
then, but I just thought that was an interesting link uh, using the, the, that name. I don't know if they were intentionally calling back to that or um, just randomly picked the, that, the, that name for the starship because it's a cool-sounding name. So I figured I'd pass yeah, that, that, that on to you guys if I looked that that's up. That's interesting. That, that is an interesting fact, which would make that the – would that be the A, maybe? Well, it, again, it doesn't say the class nor any NCC number. Um, so, again, and this is the 23rd century for this ship, This uh, and then now we're in the, uh, see, what, it's 2381, so it's uh, the uh, 24th century still, so it's 100 years. I don't, I mean, there have been Excelsior classes and, and Miranda classes operating that long. It could very well be the same ship, but I, but I think McMahon said it was a new ship. So, yeah, and it's uh, it's kind of interesting too because I've noticed in Star Trek it's a little inconsistent. Sometimes they have the A B C D like with the Enterprise, and sometimes they will just recycle ship names and not bother to to include those. So, yeah. Yeah, they did it with so the USS Saratoga. Discovery information to you guys too. Thanks, man. So, um, <laughs> believe it or not, guys, we are out of time. Oh wow! I, I knew it would be. I knew that it, this would be a quick show because we had so much cool stuff to talk about. I knew it was going to be yeah. quick. But um, we'll be back next week, same bat time, same bat channel. Uh, we won't have lower decks to talk about, but. Um, We'll fill it in. We'll find something. Don't forget, Monday, Both Nook is back, and we're going to be talking about the Discovery novel, Dead Endless. And that'll be a special time of 9 p.m. Eastern time. So um, you want to tune in for that if you're into the Star Trek books. And we'll be back next Thursday with an all-new episode of Trek Talking. Hey, head over to our Facebook page, Trek Talking and Beyond. Give us a like. Give us a follow. We'd love to have you join our family. And I want to say thank you so much to Shannon for hanging out and Trek talking with us tonight. I know Shannon had to go, but thank you so much for hanging out with us tonight, Shannon. There's always a seat at our table for you. And of course, thank you to Nate from Vegas for calling in and chatting with us tonight. Thank you so much, Nate. Yeah, you're welcome. And of course, couldn't do the show without my Trek experts. We'll start off with Eric. Thank you so much, Eric, for hanging out and Trek talking with us tonight. You bet, guys. Thanks a lot. Have a good night. And last but not least, Charles. Thank you so much, Charles, for hanging out with us tonight and Trek Talking. We really appreciate it. Oh, thank you. What a great show we had to put together tonight. We had so much to talk about. It was fun. And, of course, I'm your most excellent host, Uncle Jim, saying thank you so much to everybody, each, especially all you people in Nepal. That is the coolest thing (laughs) ever. Um, you, You know? We really, really appreciate you guys in Nepal. So thanks for hanging out and Trek talking with us. I don't know what time it is in Nepal. I don't know. um, Is it tomorrow in Nepal or is it yesterday in Nepal? I don't know. I don't know Uh, what time zone Nepal. It is definitely tomorrow in Nepal. It is Friday at 7.18 a.m. in Nepal right now. Oh, so we have some early risers listening to us in Nepal. Maybe, Maybe heading out to work. Maybe, or maybe just getting home from work, perhaps. But anyways, we appreciate you guys listening in Nepal. So I just want to say to everybody, please stay safe and be good to each other. 
We'll see you all again next week for another all-new exciting episode of Trek Talking. I'm your most excellent host, Uncle Jim, saying good night and hailing frequencies are closed. Good night, everybody. Live long and prosper. All right, then. Everybody ready? Yes, sir. Let's fly. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.